When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to yet another excursion into Broadcast Excellence hosted by me, Rush Limbaugh, right here on the radio. Great to be with you. As always, a telephone number, if you want to be on the program, is 800-282-2882. And if you want to send an email, I check those. I check them during commercial breaks and uh, whenever I have time out there. The uh, email address is rushball at eibnet.us. You know, folks, what, what really stands out to me, what's remarkable about the circumstances in which we find ourselves with this counter-revolution going on, the American left and the uh, myriad associations of Black Lives Matter. You know, Black Lives Matter, it's not a mystery what that group is. It wouldn't... It, it's a Marxist, communist, political apparatus. It is not a civil rights organization. And they will tell you that. All you got to do is Google it. They will proudly identify who they are. And yet they've got everybody running scared of them as though they are a civil rights organization. But what, what, what strikes me is the relative ignorance and stupidity of the people running this counter-revolution, trying to destroy this country, they literally are ignorant. They've been maleducated, ill-educated, and to a certain degree, they have to be stupid as well. And yet, look how they have cowed everybody. And I know they've done it with the threat of violence. Uh, Not just the threat of violence. They're actually committing violent acts. They are committing mayhem sometimes with guns. So I I understand that, that that can make even the stupidest and most ignorant people uh, appear to be threatening. 
But as I said yesterday, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the thing about this is even if these people get everything they want, whatever it is, including a brand new country, if they succeed in transforming the United States of America, if they succeed in erasing and eliminating the founding and replacing it with whatever, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to be satisfied. Whatever they think the result will be, it isn't going to cause them happiness, contentment, and that, is, that, that realization is going to shock them to their core even more. And this is their status even now. They've gotten a lot of what they've been demanding since the 1960s. And none of it makes them happy. Have you seen a happy leftist? Have you seen a happy counter-revolutionary? Have you seen a happy revolutionary? Have you seen a happy left-wing Democrat? They aren't. They're not capable of it. Their mindset 24-7 is anger and rage, depression, sadness, what have you. They come up with all of these reasons to explain their depression and their sadness and their anger. They set out to fix them and nothing solves the problem. In the meantime, they're on the verge of destroying the greatest country that's ever been envisioned and created and founded. All because people are afraid of them. You want to know how ridiculous this is. Let me read to you a uh, headline. This is from the UK Guardian, but it could appear in any American paper. Are you ready for this? This probably, uh, El Snerdbo, is going to excite you. You ready for the headline? Upward thrusting buildings ejaculating into the sky. Do cities have to be so sexist? The serious story. It's a serious story claiming a serious problem that a bunch of white supremacists have built phallic representations of themselves. Upward thrusting buildings ejaculating into the sky. They're writing books now. Story of the UK Guardian. Here's the lead. Glass ceilings and phallic towers. Mean streets and dark alleys. Road names and statues of men. From the physical to the metaphorical, the city is filled with reminders of masculine power. And yet, we rarely talk of the urban landscape as an active participant in gender inequality. Do you realize how empty your life has to be if you're walking around a city and you see a skyline and think ejaculating buildings and sexism? City planners, architects, and politicians can make a difference if the will is there. In the Aspirin district of Vienna... All the streets and public spaces are named after women. See, we can do it right if we think about it. In Tokyo, trains have carriages set aside at particular times for women, for the disabled, for children, and others. In Kigali, the capital of Rwanda, female street vendors have seen their safety and economic prospects improve with the building 
of secure permanent mini-markets that include space for breastfeeding. In Stockholm, snow plowing schedules prioritize residential streets and school zones and public transport and bike lanes. These interventions say to women, your contribution matters, your safety matters, your mobility Matt, they're writing books, folks, about ejaculating buildings, triggering women, and making them feel unwelcome in the cities. A book titled Feminist City by Leslie Kern. Now, what? This is just absurd. And I'm t- it's one of these things, 25 years ago, we'd be laughing about it if the story appeared then, and we would be saying, who in the world would ever sign on? And now, a whole bunch of people have signed on to it. And, and another, you know, people are, are having a tough time understanding how all of this happened and where it is going to end and how it is going to end. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm one of you on that matter. Now, have you all heard that the niece of Donald Trump has a tell-all book coming? Okay. Name is Mary Trump, and she's uh, she's the daughter of one of Trump's brothers. So you got this tell-all book out there. The Trump family have been trying to stop it. They have failed to stop it. Their advanced copies, it's from Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster apparently has become the anti-Trump publisher. If you want to go anti-Trump, go to Simon & Schuster. And uh, her book has been leaked now to CNN. CNN had a copy, and little Brian Stelter actually put his hands on it and could barely contain himself. Barely contain himself. Audio soundbite number 21 on CNN just moments ago. The question was, uh, Brian, you, you were just reporting on how, because of demand, the publishing date of Mary Trump's book has been moved up. That's right, and that's why these copies are starting to leak out. Uh, here's one of the many copies that's already been shipped out to bookstores. This book uh, is essentially an anti-Trump campaign book, Kate. From my initial read of it, Joe Biden couldn't have written a more effective book against the president of the United States. But you say that, you know, I say that, I say it's like an anti-Trump campaign book, but it's coming from inside the family. There's never been anything like this in modern political history to have the niece of a president write a scathing tell-all. And the upshot of it is, I guess, is that Trump's father abused him and that Trump has no moral compass, that Trump doesn't strategize anything, that Trump just does what Trump wants to do. He didn't expect to win the presidency. He was shocked when he did, has been acting it out ever since. Where was this four or five years ago? Why is this now surfacing? I Look, we all have, um, yeah, we all have families and we've all got, as Ross Perot said, the crazy uncle up in the, up in the attic that we don't let out except at Thanksgiving and so forth. But I think... That these people behind us, like the Trump is, it was abused and he has no moral compass and he's uh, basically psychologically damaged. His father didn't teach him love. Trump is incapable of love. He's incapable of empathy. That he thinks the most important thing in the world is money. In fact, there isn't anything else. Money is everything. It defines you. It defines your character. It defines your success. It defines money, money, money. That's it. No empathy, no love, no compassion whatsoever. 
And these people in the media, CNN, have just glommed onto this like it's the next Mueller, it's the next Russia collusion story, it's the continuation of all of these things they have tried to overturn the election results of 2016. The COVID virus was an extension of that, an attempt to keep the Mueller campaign, the purpose of it, going. And now they've got this book by Trump's niece. Uh, Why didn't she say something when he was actually running back in 2015 and 2016? I know, I know, non-disclosure agreements, she supposedly has one, they've... They've silenced her. They've tried to keep her quiet on this. But she could have leaked it as easily then as as she did now. Uh, one of the things that I think has happened is that she and elements of her strain of the family have been written out of the big will. I think she got a couple hundred grand and that was it. You start, you mess with people's money and you're going to tick them off. Guarantee it, particularly if their expectations are high. What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? What? 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 Well, here. Well, I think that's really what what what's going on. A two hundred grand inheritance where everybody else is getting gazillions, however much it is. Here's the thing. This is just the latest in a never-ending four years long. Shock expose. How many of these have there been? You know, during the two years of the Mueller investigation and the Trump-Russia-Russia meddling story, there was a blockbuster practically every hour in the New York Times. And then the next hour, a blockbuster in the Washington Post. And then a blockbuster on CNN. And then a blockbuster on MS. I mean, there were numerous blockbusters every day. And certainly every week they just kept coming. None of them were true. Not a single word of any of them were true. Then we got the faux impeachment. That wasn't true. Nothing about that was true. There hasn't been a single word of truth written about any of these supposed crimes or impeachable offenses that Donald Trump has engaged in. Through it all, he has not lost his base which has been their primary objective. Now, they believe, I mean, you could, Brian Stelter practically wetting his pants getting his hands on this, but you could hear it in his voice. So excited. Joe Biden couldn't have written a better campaign book. So their expectations are that this book is going to do what Mueller couldn't. This book is going to do what Struck, Stroke, Smirk, and McCabe and all the rest couldn't do. This book is going to do what, uh, what, uh, what Adam Schiff couldn't do. This book is going to do what impeachment couldn't do. This book is going to finally wake people up to the truth of this reprobate Donald Trump. This is it. This puts Biden over the finish line. Why is this going to be treated or have any different impact than all these others? There have been blockbusters that are of equally supposedly damaging nature that haven't had one shred of an impact on Trump and his base. From Trump being a traitor to Trump being a Russian agent, which, by the way, now they're recycling. And uh, with, with Putin being, you know, naming himself Russian president for life, that gave them the opportunity to say that Trump is going to be 
a double agent for life now. As long as Putin is there, Trump has a future. What, and they just can't let it go. Why is this going to be any different? It's like these wacko leftists, the revolutionaries, who are expecting that if they get some of this that they want, that they could be happy, content, lifetime dreams going to be realized, and they're going to feel as empty as they do now because getting what they want is not going to make them happy because it never has. They can't get enough. They can't. You cannot give them enough. We've learned this. We've tried to compromise with them. No matter what they get, it's never enough. And this isn't going to be enough. A total win is not going to be enough. This. When are they going to learn? This is just an expanded Access Hollywood video example. If the Access Hollywood video didn't stop Trump, why is this book? In fact, it may backfire. All of this stuff, this never-ending assault on a single human being who didn't do anything to anybody, who is the one guy standing in the way of the attempt to ruin this country. Somehow they think people are going to abandon him because of a book by a disgruntled family member when nothing else has done. I'm not saying Trump hasn't been damaged and he hasn't been delayed. The agenda hasn't been... uh, interrupted and so forth, but their definition of success is getting Trump out of office, getting him out of town. They have not succeeded, no matter what they've thrown at him. And this is not going to result in that. If anything, it's going to be, it's, it's going to create a backlash. It's going to, at, at some point, and we may already be there, uh, a lot of people, you know, I've had it with this. We're going to, we're going to support Trump just to, just to screw with you guys. We're sick and tired. Can't you do anything else in the news except report on this guy? Anyway, i got to take a break here, folks, but hang on. Much to do on the busy broadcast today. We'll get right back to it after this. Folks, one, one thing I need to clarify here. Uh, little Brian Stelter, the audio soundbite we just played about the Trump niece book. Uh, he said uh, that's why these copies are starting to leak out. There's such demand for this book. No, that's not why this book has been released early. Now, I can't tell you why the book has been released early, although I know. Uh, I have been sworn to confidentiality, but you got to believe me, demand for this book by Mary Trump has nothing to do with its early release. That's just PRBS buzz. Do not doubt me on this. And you can go to the bank. I'm telling you, if you first doubt everything you hear in any drive-by media story, doubt it. You'll be on the safe side of every story by doubting it. And I'm telling you, in this case, demand for the Trump book, nobody knows what it is. It has nothing to do with why it was moved up. It, it, it may, it, one of the reasons for moving it up may be to create this faux impression that there is massive demand for it. But I'm telling you, massive demand is not why. The book was moved up. I'll tell you other thing. Little Brian Stelter peeing in his pants over this book. He doesn't know this either. He doesn't. Nobody knows why this book was moved up. They're being told in the drive-by media because demand. When's the last time you ever heard of a book release actually being moved up because of demand by the public to see it? 
They wait and wait and wait. They cultivate the demand. They go for online sales. They don't do it this way. There's a, there's a reason why this book was moved up, and it has nothing to do with public demand. Well, I mean, I'd love to tell you the real reason, but I can't because I promised. In exchange for being told the truth of the story, I promised that I wouldn't tell anybody. Now, the staff saying, can you tell us during the break? Well, no, because it's so hot that you'll go out, you'll put it on Twitter or this new parlor, whatever that is, and it'll be all over the place out there. I'm just telling you, there is no massive demand for the Trump niece book. It's not why it's been moved up. All right, a brief break here, and we will continue. Hang on. Sit tight. Back before you know it. Right on. Right on. Having having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. If you were in my shoes, you'd be saying the same thing, folks. All right. Last night, I was watching uh, watching Tucker Carlson, who uh, apparently the Republican uh, nominee for 2024. What, what are you laughing at? I'm telling you, I read that. I read it was a Politico story. Are you doubting Politico? Politico is... Politico is talking about how uh, uh, GOP is all excited. It, it, no, it was. It was the, the theme of the story was is the Republicans can only nominate media people. Now there was Trump, The Apprentice, and, and, and Reality TV, and then now Tucker Carlson and so forth. Uh, is 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 what what it's come to? Well. No, I'm telling you, somebody had to leak it. Somebody, somebody, you know, Chatsworth is killing it ratings-wise. He's, he's, and and I'm, I'm telling you that, that somebody in the Republican Party is looking at it. It might be this is what we need. And so they leak it. Try a balloon. You know how this stuff works. I mean, it may be you. You might actually have your name floated before 2024. Be a trial balloon if it happens. And, you know, if somebody did it, you know who would do it? Nick Searcy. Nick Searcy would find a way to float your name as a potential 2024 nominee. As a trial balloon. Just see what would happen. It's the way this stuff... Anyway, I was watching Tucker last night. He had Jason Whitlock on. Whitlock has been at the Kansas City Star. He's been at um, ESPN. He's now at a website called Outkick.com. And I know Jason a little bit. You remember back in the... In the uh, the days where I was uh, a minority interest in an ownership group attempting to buy the St. Louis Rams, well, at the time, the Kansas City Star was employing Jason, and they and they assigned him the story of exploring my interest in this. And I'll never forget. He called me. We we talked on the phone. No, we were emailing because I can't use the phone easily. And he said, "I don't believe you really want to buy that team. I think it's a publicity stunt." I said, you think I'm going through all of this for a publicity stunt? I mean, Brian Burwell, the late, may God bless his soul, were writing that I was longing for the return of slavery. I mean, these guys were making up quotes I had never said about slavery and about race and so forth. And I said, you really think that I am enduring all of this character assassination on the basis that I need a publicity stunt? He said, I do. I do. I don't think you're serious about this ownership group. Well, the story never happened because after he said that, I kind of said, well, 
his premise is wrong. I mean, I wasn't a publicity stunt at, at all. At any rate, Whitlock has become renowned for his willingness to attack and properly, accurately analyze these race-based militant protest groups. He doesn't pull any punches. He's, he's fearless about it. And he is one of few in the entire African-American population you can go to for the truth to be heard. And last night he was, he was magnificent on Tucker Carlson in a very short appearance at the end of the program. He was, he was asked to address the idea here that the NFL has actually announced that they're going to play two national anthems before games in week one, that they're going to play the black national anthem, and then after that, they're going to play the Star Spangled Banner where everybody is going to kneel. And he says, who in the world is this stupid? The NFL, his point was, the NFL has just told us that they are not who we always thought they were. There is no leadership. There is just, there's just a bunch of cowardice. And he said, I'm not just talking about Goodell. I'm talking about the owners. This is incredible. And he made the point that I just made to you. Black Lives Matter is not a racial group. It's not a racial justice or injustice group. They are a Marxist political movement. And it doesn't take any effort to learn this. Every NFL owner and Roger Goodell could simply go to Google, search Black Lives Matter, and find out that they have gone into business with a rabidly pro-communist Marxist political group. And whether they know that or not, they, they instead choose to treat this bunch as a justified and legitimate civil rights organization, which they are not. So here are the, here are the two sound bites. It was uh, first question from Tucker. The NFL sets go play, lift every voice and sing the so-called Black National Anthem before all week one games. What do you think this is about, Jason? Is it a good idea, do you think? If the NFL starts out its season with everyone standing for lift every voice and sing, the Black National Anthem, and then virtually everyone on the field taking a knee when the Star Spangled Banner plays, the NFL will run off a nice fat chunk of its audience and will never be seen the same again because of the failure of leadership throughout the NFL. There's no way you can do any homework on Black Lives Matters and not see that it's a Marxist political organization this is a historic failure of men and leadership. This is cowardice at its highest level. This is the NFL jumping the shark and saying we've quit being who we said we are. We're now something else because our money's on the line. Yeah, and money and fear. And I'll tell you something. Let me expand on this a little bit. What is it to say the NFL is... Um, uh, is now jumping the shark and saying we've quit being who we are? Do you know the NFL for the longest time, was seen as a place where racial harmony existed. And people watching the NFL could see this. Teams are made up of white players and African-American players, a majority of them African-American. You had some other races thrown in, and teams 
for all outward appearances, appeared to get along. We didn't say if we won the locker rooms, but on the field, they united in the quest for victory. And it was it was a respite. You could go watch the NFL like you would any sport for a break from the humdrum of your life or whatever, escape all of the the rot gut. And the NFL was able to position itself as standing above whatever discord there was throughout society. The NFL almost was presenting itself as see what's possible. We have people and players of all races and they get along and they unite toward a single objective and they appear to be supportive of each other. And now the NFL is thrown that away and they are going the exact opposite direction and they are now taking sides with a pro-Marxist political group. And Whitlock went on to say that this is, it's mystifying to him because it's just, it, 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 it's inexplicable. It's stupid. It doesn't make any business sense whatsoever because if, if what is thought to happen does happen, if they play the Black National Anthem, whatever it is, and follow it up with Star Spangled Banner, and the coaches and the players then take a knee, you can wave goodbye to whatever audience the NFL had. And it isn't going to be replaced, even with people starved for sports because of COVID-19. Even if the NFL managed to pull this off and actually has a week one and they do this, they're kissing their audience, they're kissing their customers, they're kissing the people that have supported them goodbye on purpose, choosing sides and trying to make everybody think they're doing so on the basis of racial justice and harmony when they're not. So the next bite, Tucker Carlson said to Whitlock, okay, the commissioner, they got a commissioner in the NFL, where is he? Probably hiding under his desk. These guys don't know what to do. And it, I don't, I don't want to just blame Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent. This is NFL ownership, all right. of them, cowards, right. not standing up for what they believe in. America has made them filthy rich and some of the most powerful people on the planet, and they're unwilling to defend the values they built their business on and the country that has enriched them incredibly. Politically, in the sports world, I'm looking at men fall out of cowardice. It's pervasive throughout this country. And again, it's, it's, it's noteworthy that Jason Whitlock is African-American and willing to say what he's saying about Black Lives Matter. You don't do that. I mean, you kowtow. You, whatever Black Lives Matter wants to be, that's what you say they are. And he's making it plain as day that it doesn't take any research at all to find out who this group is, that they're not about social justice. They are a Marxist communist organization that is attempting to take over and ruin this country as founded. And now they're being aided and abetted by the NFL and the ownership group, which refuses to use the same values they built their businesses with in running the National Football League, all because Nike, a big sponsor, and other sponsors are upset, threatening to pull money away. So no guardrails, nobody standing up, no morality, no virtue. It's absent. And the NFL doesn't know what's headed its way. If the Whitlock scenario actually 
happens here because everybody's making a big mistake. You know what the big mistake is? America is not Twitter. This country is not Twitter. But don't tell the NFL that because the NFL and practically everybody else believes that whatever the hell insanity is on Twitter is this country. And it isn't. I got a break. We'll be back after this. Okay, time to go to the phones here on the one and only Rush Limbaugh program. Let's go to uh, Croton, Ohio, or maybe it's Croton, not sure. This is Lori, and great to have you. Hello. Hi, Russ. I'm so happy to speak with you. Thank you. I um, just want to let you know that you and Catherine and your family are in my daily prayers. You're our mayor of Realville, and we cannot afford to let you go now. Well, we sincerely appreciate that. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks. Well, what I was calling about, I don't think this book coming out, I don't think it's going to hurt Trump one single bit. And in fact, I think it's tremendously going to help him. Um, they, uh, what they are saying is that children of abuse, abuse cannot grow up to be successful. Um, literally, and that... Uh, wait, 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 is that, is that something, I, 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 I've, um... <sighs> I don't know this. So is it is this something that is universally believed in the psychological community that the children of abuse can't grow up to be successful? Is that a rule of thumb that has been acknowledged in the psychological no, academic no. community? No, what I'm saying is that the left, by saying this, Trump, just because he grew up, um, if he was abused by his father— that he didn't wasn't taught love, and so he is not loving. He can't love. They're saying that if you're abused, you don't know how to love. Is what I'm taking out of that. Uh, oh, so you're just you're you're you're. you're this is just your own analysis of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just an average country girl, and that's just what I was thinking. Okay. Um, and but I just think that um, it's another example how Trump is not a victim. Like, even if he was abused, look where he's come. He didn't let it define him. Well, that's the, the point, see, that they're going to try to make. And I, by the way, I agree with you. I, I, I think this is going to blow up in their faces, like Access Hollywood video blew up in their faces. I think it's going to cause people to, um, uh, in effect, circle wagons around Trump because it's just, it's just the latest pile on. If this were the first thing... And it was 2016, maybe a different story. But now, where was it in 2016? Where was it in 2017? Where was it 2018? Where was it during the Russian hoax? Where was it during... You know, they, could have, they could have folded this into the Russian hoax to explain why Trump was a traitor. Because his dad abused him. Where was it then? It wasn't anywhere. They could have said because Trump's dad abused him, he wanted to need a father figure in his life. And guess who he chose? Vladimir Putin. They didn't do that. They could have had skits on Saturday Night Live with Trump calling Putin saying, Hey, Dad, how you doing? What do you need me to screw up in America today? I'm willing to do whatever, Dad. But they didn't do that. So now here comes this thing. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't know what they say about abuse, Joe. All I know is that I, I've led such a shot. I, 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 I don't know that I know anybody who was abused. Uh, Maybe I do and I've forgotten. I don't know. But the idea that abused people can't succeed, that can't be. You know, back in the, uh, in the argumentative days of abortion, one of, the, one of the primary arguments used 
to abort is, we can't bring a child into that kind of poverty. Why, who would we, we wouldn't dare want a child born into those socioeconomics. And then you find out that all kinds of people born into poverty became some of the greatest people in world history, that it didn't matter. It's the same thing with people who've been abused. I think this notion that uh, saying Trump was abused by his dad is a way to make whatever other allegations they are about Trump undeniable. Because as you know what they say, uh, parental abuse is a horrible, horrible thing. And by the way, it folds in nicely with Epstein. Epstein was abusing these underage girls. Look at Wayne Maxwell. Got that out there right now so you can associate uh, the abuse with um, the attempt to portray Trump as inhuman, no empathy, no compassion, uh, strictly a mean-spirited, selfish, cares about nobody but himself kind of figure, which is what they're going to try to uh, create here. But... The idea that he's not a victim is a good observation here on the part of Lori in Ohio. Now, in the American left today, victimhood is an aspirational thing. You should want to be a victim. They'll find a group for you to be a victim of if you want. They'd love you to become a victim. You know why? Because you're surrendering your life. When you admit that you're a victim, you're admitting that you have no control over your life. You have nothing to say about what happens to you. You know why? Because you've been victimized. You've been discriminated against. You've been, and you have, you have been destroyed. So you need the Democrat Party and the government looking out for you. So they'll take anybody who wants to be a victim and make them a victim. But Trump here did not become a victim. I mean, Donald Trump, whatever else he does, does not exude victimhood. He doesn't apologize for himself. He's not even running, woe is me. Closest he gets is when he rips the media for not reporting on him accurately. Look, I gotta, I gotta go. I know. Hang on. Be patient. We'll be back in just a second, folks. You want to know another reason why this Mary Trump book is going to backfire and bomb out? You got a problem in your family, find a daddy, but you keep it in the family. When you start dumping on your family outside the family, you are not going to be rewarded. It is not going to happen. I'll expand on this when I have more time, which will be in about six minutes. So hang on. Greetings. Welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, EIB Network, Limbaugh Institute, Advanced Studies, everything. Great to have you here. The phone number, 800-282-2882, and the email address is ilrushbow at eibnet.us. So, yeah, just just let me, let me expand on the uh, observation I made right before the end of the previous busy broadcast hour. It is a it, – it's, it's one thing for you to dump on your family internally. It could be somebody in your family thinks to reprobate. You tell everybody else in the family, what a skunk. But you do it outside the family. And you lose a lot of uh, sympathy. You lose a lot of support. And people generally have a negative reaction about you because it is a low-down, dirty thing for anybody to do this to a family, but particularly... The president of the United States, tell all this inside baseball stuff, 
And it's especially curious that this did not happen in 2016. It did not happen in 2015 when Trump was running for the first time. If she thought that he would be so dangerous to the country, such a threat to the country, why did she remain silent then? Well, Rush, maybe there was an NDA. Yeah, there's an NDA now. And she's saying the hell with it. Well, maybe, maybe she didn't come forward because there was still a chance she could change their minds about the inheritance. Maybe. Point is, she had a chance to litigate all of this and stop him from becoming president, and she didn't do it. Now, people know Donald Trump. They know Trump warts and all, and they have decided that they like the all more than they care about the warts. And this is what the left doesn't understand. The left still thinks, the Democrats, still believe that they've got the ability to come up with some news that's going to shock people about Trump and make them abandon him. And gang, you've shot your wad on that. There isn't anything left you, you, it, it, by what, you, what you would have to make up. And making it up is about all you've been doing in the, in the first place. And now people are going to be wondering about whether this is made up. But there, she's, she's not going to have a lot of sympathy, I guarantee you, for airing dirty laundry like this in public. And it certainly is not going to cause Trump's base to go, oh, wow, we had no idea. This guy's horrible. He was abused by his dad. Well, I don't want him. And, and abandoned. It's not going to happen. And I just, just to repeat one more time, this book has not been released early because of any kind of massive demand for it. There's another reason why it was moved up. And it has nothing to do with demand for the um, for the book. Hang on. Let me just real quickly here. Okay. <clears throat> now... Let's get into some COVID-19 news uh, and, and uh, folks, do you, are you asking yourself what of any of this is true and, and what isn't? It's almost like the tale of two viruses. We have an entire group of stories that are about how much worse the virus is. Oh, my God. It's worse than we thought. We haven't even gotten to the second wave. Dr. Fauci says, Dr. Fauci says, Dr. Fauci says, whatever Dr. Fauci says, it gets amplified. Uh, we are told how so many more people are getting it. Mm, the number of cases is skyrocketing. But then deaths are down. We demonstrated this yesterday. The number of deaths associated with COVID-19 are way down. It's why they're not being reported. The game here is to scare you into siding up with a new lockdown. They want you to hear all these brand new numbers of cases as deaths. But deaths are down. The curve was flattened. 
And then we, you know, hydroxychloroquine. Oh, no, that's horrible. Hydroxychloroquine, I can kill you. Remember when Trump said he was taking it and Neil Cavuto on Fox? This is irresponsible. You can't do that. You got, you could kill yourself. You could die. I'm saying, wait a minute. Whoever said hydroxychloroquine is killing people? There wasn't any evidence hydroxychloroquine was killing people. In fact, we now find out that hydroxychloroquine works in staving off death. We now know. How many fake news stories were there about this drug? It's only been out there 50 years. It's only been tested from every which way is Sunday. All of the side effects are known. It's cheap. There's your real answer. It's not killing anybody. And yet that was the news. It was bad. It was not indicated. It was something that you shouldn't be taking. And then they herald those stories. And we found out that it was still being prescribed in places around the world, being prescribed in Italy, being prescribed in France, where they were having success with it. And we had a story, the CDC said, ah, this is bad news, you can't use it. Very, very bad. Hydroxychloroquine, not good for COVID-19. Then we got the latest from the from the Henry Ford group. Oh, no, we're looking at this. We've been doing a bunch of studies, and it's actually very helpful. And they're doing a new study now. You know, the new study they're doing on hydroxychloroquine, they got 3,000 people in a control group taking it as a prophylactic to see if it helps prevent getting COVID-19. Did you know that? The same, well, it's just like putting a condom on. You, you, you put the condom on there to prevent whatever, disease, pregnancy. Yeah, so it's a preventative. You see if you, if, if it has, if you take hydroxychloroquine when you're healthy, does it help in preventing you from getting COVID-19? That is a study currently ongoing with 3,000 people at the Henry Ford Research Group, whatever the name of it is. So it turns out that hydroxychloroquine does have a role here, that it is effective in certain circumstances, and the research is ongoing. But it's, it's a, you can't, you, no matter where you go, you can't be confident that you have found the truth when it comes to anything related to COVID-19. And I think that is also symptomatic of what's happening to our country at large. Morality is gone. The concept of right and wrong are gone. The the whole notion of morality now is, is something that's up to individual choice. We've seen the steady degradation of standards. Uh, standards have been met with anger and opposition from a bunch of malcontents who claim you have no right to define morality for them or anybody else. You have no right to define what's right and wrong. So there is no universal anything. There's no universal truth. And so we're not getting any. And it's, it's tough to wade through all of this. And the only thing you have to rely on is your own intelligence combined with whatever confidence your own intelligence gives you. Like I have, I have plenty of intelligence, I have more than I need, and that gives me all kinds of confidence to know that I'm making the right judgment when I watch a news story or read a news story. When I see something and knowing it's BS or not, whether I trust it or not. But a lot of people haven't had the time I've had to study 
the news and media and presentations and all of that. And so uh, there is mass confusion out there. Let me give you a couple of examples. I have a story about a Minnesota physician. He's a lawmaker. He's a doctor. He's a Republican. He's a state senator in Minnesota. His name is Scott Jensen, doctor, Republican, state senator, Minnesota. He is also now under investigation by the Board of Medical Practices. You know why? Because he once had the audacity to compare COVID-19 to the flu. And because he accused the state of Minnesota of inflating the number of deaths from COVID-19. I kid you not, he accused them of exaggerating a number of deaths. You see, my friends, you will not speak against the revolution. You will not speak against the revolution's pet plagues. You will not question the Ministry of Health. Or we will refer you to the Ministry of Truth, who can remand you to the Ministry of Correction, where your mind will be made right. And the Ministry of Correction is not staffed by a bunch of social workers. It's staffed by a bunch of guys that used to be guards at Soviet gulags. So that's what's in store for you if you dare speak out against the revolution. A Minnesota physician and lawmaker under investigation by the Board of Medical Practices for his comments regarding COVID-19. In a Facebook video, Senator Scott Jensen, Republican from Cheska, said that he was notified by the State Board of Medical Practices. He's under investigation for allegedly spreading misinformation regarding death certificates in relation to COVID-19. You know what he did? He properly identified that a bunch of people who did not die from COVID-19 were listed as having died because of it. They died with it not of it. They, something else killed them, but they also had the infection. So they were written up as having died in COVID-19. He pointed out the difference. He is under investigation by the Ministry of Health. They also said that he provided reckless advice as a doctor by comparing it to the flu. Well, you know, Dr. Fauci also compared COVID-19 to the flu way, way back in February. Dr. Burks said that the CDC should be causing death totals to be inflated by 25%. She's acknowledged that they are inflating the number of COVID-19 deaths. All this, this doctor did the same thing. February 28, 2020, Dr. Fauci wrote an article in which he said the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal flu. Dr. Fauci is not having to go to the Ministry of Health. Dr. Fauci has not been referred to the Ministry of Truth. And he has then not been referred to the Ministry of Correction. Dr. Fauci is capable of saying whatever he wants to say about anything with impunity. This is how revolutions work, folks. You do not speak out against the regime. The regime will get you every time. 
the regime, in this case, the Democrat-controlled state of Minnesota. Now, here's an editorial from Issues and Insights. The headline, Is the Pandemic Coming to an End at Last? Wait a minute, what? You can't miss it. You turn on television every day, massive numbers of new cases. In Florida, in Texas, in Arizona, new cases, record number of cases, cases skyrocketing. Oh, my God, we're all going to die. It's horrible. And now, is the pandemic coming to an end at last? What are you supposed to do? How's the average person supposed to absorb, consume all of this? The media and many politicians inside the Democrat Party continue to shriek over the recent jump in the number of recorded coronavirus cases seeking to keep the economy closed at all costs. And we mean that literally. Don't fall for the argument they write here. The data show that, in fact, our pandemic nightmare might well be coming to an end. Okay, so you say uh, issues and insights. How the hell can you say such a thing? Pandemic coming to an end? Well, firstly, it's not actually us saying it. It's the Centers for Disease Control. The Centers for Disease Control reported that the death rate has fallen so far that it's now roughly equal to the threshold for even qualifying as an epidemic which is not as severe as a pandemic. Did you hear the CDC says the death toll, and this is the key number that nobody reports. We have the audacity pointing it out yesterday. The Centers for Disease Control reported the death rate has fallen so far that we may not even have an epidemic now, much less a pandemic. And an epidemic, pandemic, is all about People who die because of some virus or respiratory infection going around, not by the number of people who get it. And yet, dishonest media is attempting to convince everybody that these daily reports of record numbers of cases equal deaths at some point down the line. The CDC said this, based on death certificate data... The percentage of total U.S. deaths attributed to pneumonia, the flu, COVID-19 decreased from 9% during week 25 to 5.9% during week 26. In one week, deaths attributed to pneumonia, the flu, COVID-19 decreased from 9% Week 25 to 5.9% week 26. CDC added this was the 10th straight week of declining death. While the percentage is currently at the epidemic threshold, additional data coming in would uh, could change, uh, says the CDC. So, so the decline to 5.9% is truly great news if the trend holds. Issues and Insights says that we've reported this decline in COVID-19's raw death rate before, by the way. The current CDC data compare favorably to the 5.7% average rate for the final 13 weeks of 2019. And yet, with this news, try these headlines. Ah, 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 don't have to. Just stick with me. i got to go. Another obscene profit break, and we'll be right back. Let me squeeze a phone call in here very quickly before I get to these uh, media headlines that just conflict totally 
with with the news that we may be nearing the end of the pandemic by virtue of the number of deaths. And by the way, the increasing number of cases, if you find out who is reporting them, if it's elderly people with uh, pre-existing conditions, I mean, bad news. If it's the young and the healthy and so forth, it's 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 not bad news. It's it's all part of uh, creating herd immunity. At any rate, here is uh, David in Nashville. Great to have you, the EIB Network, sir. Hello. Hey, Rush. There is nothing in that book by Trump's niece that will change one ounce of my support for him. And I'm going to assume that it's all true. I'm actually going to assume that there may be one or two little things that she didn't even know about. And I'm still going to support him a thousand percent and get everybody I can to come along. Even if true, you don't care what happened back then. See, that is the point. There's nothing left to shock people with. He survived the Access Hollywood. But how did that affect you? Remember what, what your reaction to that was? Yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll put in here that I'm a, uh evangelical Christian conservative. And that, you know, but there's the past and there's people that change. And, and this is the liberals don't allow anybody from our side to have anything deep in their past. It's like, go back 20 years, you're disqualified. But their own, they'll let them off for stuff last week. And, oh, no, but, that stuff's but, a resume enhancement for them. Ted Kennedy, uh, JFK, that stuff uh, is, is a resume enhancement for them. Because they've never held themselves out to be virtuous or moral. The Republican Party has the old family values thing. But Trump never did. Trump never said that he is the king of virtue. Never once went there. He has said he's a king of patriotism. He loves America, going to make America great again. That's what resonated. And that's what became controversial. There there are two things driving my support. Number one, he is the man for the hour. He has proven his last four years that there's... There's no question between him and Biden. Number two, people change, and I don't believe in holding their deep past. If they've shown and proven that they're a different person, we give them a second chance in this country. Yeah, we do. And uh, yeah, we would, sometimes we even give them third chances out there, David. Um, depending, I mean, look at how many chances Plugs is getting. Look at how many chances Joe Biden is getting. So anyway, those are those are all good points. We have another brief time out here. These breaks go by real fast, folks, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back before you know it. Okay, so back to the theme. We don't know what to believe. The news is conflicting with seemingly every report. We're being inundated with news reports daily, hourly, on the record number of cases. We are thus to assume that those cases equal death, uh, either now or eventually. And yet, the actual percentage number of deaths is declining, is declining so rapidly that the CDC says we may not even be near epidemic, much less pandemic circumstances here. Now, contrast that. Here's some headlines from just the past couple days in a drive-by media. CNN, as Trump gaslights America about coronavirus, Republicans face a critical choice. NPR, Despite rising coronavirus cases, Trump's focus appears to be elsewhere. Slate.com. The economy is not going back to normal. From the BBC. Coronavirus. FDA chief refuses to back Trump's vaccine prediction. CNN. 
U.S. is still knee-deep in the first wave of the coronavirus pandemic, Fauci says. New York Times, how America lost the war on COVID-19. Not a single hint of optimism. Just a never-ending, relentless pessimism about COVID-19, politicized to the max to make Trump look like a fool or a sociopath. That's the express purpose. And it's, it, ex, it extends to issues beyond the virus in terms of what's true, what isn't, and most of it isn't. Here's another, Dr. Uh, Dr. Scott Atlas. Dr. S- Scott Atlas is a senior research fellow at the Hoover Institute on the campus of Stanford University in Palo Alto. I saw him on television yesterday. He said, as coronavirus cases continue to increase, health officials and Democrat politicians seem to be using that statistic to fearmonger and justify orders to reclose. Scott Atlas said that he's done more than a superficial analysis of these numbers. And after looking at all the numbers associated with COVID-19, he doesn't get scared. He said, when you look all over at the states who are seeing a lot of new cases, you have to look at who's getting infected because we should know by now that the goal is not to eliminate all cases. That's not rational. It's not possible. It's not necessary. We can't, we can't stop people getting infected if we just protect the people who are going to have serious complications. That should be the objective. That's the elderly or people with some kind of pre-existing condition that would make them susceptible to respiratory distress. We look at the cases. Yeah, there's a lot more cases. And by the way, they don't correlate in a time sense to any kind of reopening of states. This is another myth. They want you to believe this number of cases they're reporting as record every day is because these states opened up. Dr. Atlas has looked at the data. He doesn't see that. In fact, you know what? The New York Times, actually, it was yesterday or the day before, New York Times actually ran a story. Could we have uh, been mistaken in suggesting that the protesters were not going to spread the virus? Remember when that was, the media was saying they have a duty to protest. The duty to protest outweighs getting sick. They almost have a duty to get sick. They have a duty to get infected. That's important. That's how important the protests are. Well, guess what? Some of these new cases are a direct result of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all these revolutionaries out there violating all the requirements from Dr. Fauci and the CDC. But they never get called on it. Only you people go to bars. Only you people go to beaches in Russia. You get called on it. The revolutionaries don't. But now even the New York Times is asking if they perhaps erred. Now, Dr. Atlas points out that there is no correlation to this massive number of new cases and specific states opening. He's looked at the data. He can't find it. He said, if you look at the timing, and I have, it's just a misstatement. It's a false narrative. The reality is they may correlate to the new protests and massive demonstrations, but it's safe to say the majority of new cases are among younger, healthier people. 
Furthermore, and here comes the piece de resistance. Furthermore, Dr. Atlas emphasized the fact that the death rates are not going up despite the increase in cases. And that's what really counts, he says. Are we getting people who are really sick and dying? We're not. When we look at the hospitalizations, yeah, hospitals are more crowded. But get this. That's mainly due to the reinstallation of medical care for non-COVID-19 patients. Do you realize how you're being lied to about this? If you see a story that ICUs are overflowing, it's not because of COVID-19. 15% average ICUs, COVID-19 patients. 85% ICUs, non-COVID-19. Everybody's falling for it. Don't feel bad. How would you not fall for it? When you have this massive reports of new cases, record numbers of new cases, oh my God, and then you find out hospitals overflowing, ICUs overflowing, you could be forgiven for assuming it's all COVID-19, but it isn't. Dr. Atlas studied Texas as an example. He said 90% of ICU beds are occupied in Texas, but only 15% of them are COVID patients in Texas. Well, you're being led to believe it. Texas is overflowing with death and cases and, oh, my God, it's out of control and they shouldn't have opened up. Now, what's happened is the number of COVID-19 cases was low enough that they could open the hospitals up to cancer screenings and elective surgeries that were shut down for two months during the lockdown. So again, Texas, 90% of intensive care unit beds are occupied. Oh, yeah. But only 15% are COVID patients. 85% of the beds occupied intensive care in Texas are not COVID patients. Dr. Atlas says, I think... We have to look at the data. We have to be aware that it doesn't matter if younger, healthier people get infected. I don't know how often that has to be said. They have nearly zero risk of a problem from this. The young and healthy have a nearly zero percent risk of a problem. So if they're getting infected, Dr. Atlas says it doesn't really matter. It's got to happen. It's going to happen. We can't stop people getting it, but there's nothing we can do to stop it. It's a virus. There's literally nothing can be done. That's another thing. They're making it look like there's all kinds of things we could be doing, but Trump doesn't know what to do, and Trump doesn't care. He doesn't love you. Trump doesn't care if you get sick, so Trump's not doing anything. There's nothing anybody can do. All Fauci and Burks can do is say social distancing and wear a mask, but that's not going to stop the spread If you don't want to get it, become a hermit. If you don't want to get it, wear the mask. Do whatever you can to avoid people that are high risk. The individual responsibility here has a lot to do. But that's another thing. We have, we have practically driven individual responsibility out of the American behavioral network. Individual responsibility. Well, isn't that white supremacy? Yes. Individual responsibility is just a nickname for white supremacy, white privilege. Well, I don't want to be a racist, so I I guess I better not be self-reliant. That's exactly right. 
You cannot be so. Self-reliance is exactly what built this country with racism and bigotry and homophobia. The only thing that counts, Dr. Atlas says, are the older, more vulnerable people getting infected, and there's no evidence that they really are yet. The death rate is falling. It is not rising. And then the PH, that is, as Dr. Atlas pointed out, his latest study of the data, the hospitalization length of stay is about half what it was in March and April for COVID-19 patients. Quick time out. Back to the phones after this. As promised, we uh, we go back to the phones and the EIB network at Long Island. Joe, great to have you, sir. Hello. Great to speak to you, too, Rush. Big fan. I have a quick comment on the NFL, and then I have a, a thought for Trump. On the NFL, I used to be a big fan. I am not any longer. Do not care for it. Don't won't watch a game. And I have. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let me yeah. uh, interview you. They've lost you already, and they haven't even started this season. So how do they lose you? Because of what they're leaning towards doing. Ah. I just had enough. Not going to mention any past names that they supported or didn't support. They just lost me. All right. I've been watching for 50 years, and I'm done. Now, I have a way for Trump to help the youth, help the youth of this country. He should reinstate the draft. Send everybody off to the military as a youth. Well, it would help. I think it would help. It would teach them a little respect for the country as opposed to what they're learning in college. Well, it would toughen them up. We can't have that. <laughs> well, they want they want this to be a communist country. Can you imagine the sending... Do they send all the youth to, into service? Well, you know, they? that's actually a good point. I'm just... If you... If you... If we reinstate... Let's play here. If we reinstate the draft, take your average 18-year-old wuss from high school, send him off to uh, Fort Bragg for, for basic training... And after two days of it, they're going to be crying and whining and moaning and demanding. They're going to be accused of the drill sergeant of racism and using the N-word and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it would be the biggest shock to their system. And they're doing they, the same thing after four years of college. They're whining about everything anyway. Well, uh, true. But, I mean, I'm wondering if, if we did this, you know, would the military cave to these allegations he used the N-word. He called me the N-word. Because you know this is what would happen. But what the thing these kids don't understand is that if the communists, the Marxists, if the day they actually take this country over, that's going to be their life, is living that kind of servitude to the state. You're absolutely correct. And that's why I think he should do it, to teach them a little bit of what's going to happen if they continue down the road they're on. No, you know, it's a generational thing uh, that, that people think the military uh, or uh, military schools uh, can actually provide direction in life for the aimless, uh, purpose in life for the, for the lazy and, uh, and vacant, uh, and, and toughen them up uh, discipline-wise and physically and so forth. Um, a lot of people believe that. I mandatory draft. I don't know. It'd be interesting. It's a, it's a fascinating idea. On the NFL, um, I just the, the the thing I look at here is 
trying to understand the fear and the cowardice. Uh, the Black Lives Matter, as Whitlock said, is easily discoverable. Google them. You find their mission statement. They are proud to tell you who they are. They do not hide that they are a Marxist, communist, political organization. They masquerade as a social justice group. They run around and they get support from uh, outfits like Nike and others that sponsor the NFL. And then those outfits tell the NFL, you, you, you better do X or we're pulling our money away. And so the NFL essentially allows itself to be, what's the word, blackmail? I don't know what the word would be, but in, extorted, intimidated, what have you. And I guarantee you that the NFL is on the way to losing their audience if they haven't already, like our last caller just pointed out. At any rate, it's, it's stunning, stunning to watch this. That the NFL, these people have to know that they are getting in business with a Marxist political organization, a Marxist political party. If they don't know that, I, I, I would be stunned. Yeah, the NFL does focus groups. But I, I, don't, I don't know that they're doing them now. I don't know that they want to hear the results. And there may be some in the end. Let's, let's acknowledge something. There may be a lot of people in the NFL who know that there isn't going to be a season. No matter what PR is out there, there isn't going to be a season. How do you maintain social distancing in a huddle? How do you maintain social distancing in a tackle? It's a game of contact. It's a game of spitting, blood, guts, and all that. How in the world do you exercise all of the mechanisms to avoid being infected playing football? You just no, so it, it could well be that there are enough people in the league who know there's no chance they're going to play. So use the opportunity here to get on the right side of this social justice movement and be done with it. And then when the pandemic passes and maybe next season they play, they've been there, done that. I don't know. Could be one of the um, one of the theories being bandied about. Uh, Susie Q, Susie Q, Jamaica, Virginia. Great to have you on the EIB network. Hello. Hi, Rush. We love you. Um, but I had to tell Mr. Schnerdley today that you're scaring me. I mean, the story about Dr. Jensen. Um, and I've been threatened by two senators myself, but it, when it's amazing to me that the the uh, Black Lives Matter can be anarchists or uh, the Antifa groups, um, and they can get the ears of the congressional leaders in a hurry and kowtow to them. Scared. Um, and and yet. Somebody like Dr. Jensen, who wants to just speak up or say what he feels, it's, he doesn't have to be right to be. Well, able you're to right to be scared. But Dr. Jensen is the Republican state senator of Minnesota 
who's going to be sent to re-education camps for daring to point out the truth about the death rate of COVID-19. It's the state of Minnesota. The Democrat Party political apparatus is going to send him basically to a re-education camp. The Ministry of Truth or what have you. You're, you're right to be alarmed. You should have been alarmed about this stuff 20 years ago, if you ask me. How about this headline? President Trump can win in 2020 by doing this one thing. I know what it is. I will tell you what it is when we come back. This is a classic tease, folks, to make sure you don't go anywhere. Broadcast professionalism extraordinaire. Right on, right on. Here we are back at it. Rush Limbaugh and EIB Network, America's real anchorman, meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day right here on the radio. And it's a, it's a great thing to have you here with us. I appreciate it more than you know each and every day. The telephone number, if you want to be in the program so you can talk to me, 800-282-2882. Okay. You know, before I get to the tease, and it's not a continuation of the tease, I just remembered I had a chart here that I wanted to throw up in the ditto cam, and I forgot it until the break. And this will illustrate what I've been talking about here, the number of reported coronavirus cases and the death rate in the United States. It'll illustrate it better than any words, and I'm great with words, and nobody better at words than me uh, than I. But I want you to look at it. Brian, throw it up there. This is a chart from OurWorldData.org. The source is the European CDC, the European Centers for Disease Control. And and for those of you um, that are not watching on the Ditto Cam, this will be put up at RushLimbaugh.com. You will be able to see this. But I wanted to throw it up at the Ditto Cam for people watching it. Daily confirmed COVID-19 cases and deaths, comma, United States. The confirmed counts shown here are lower than the total counts. The main reason for this is a limited testing and challenges in the attributions of the cause of death. But still, you know, th- those are the caveats that they, they all throw up. Now, I want you to look at this chart. The jagged line that is, depending on color correction on your computer, orange or red, that's the daily confirmed cases. And you see that the top line is over 50,000. That line at the very bottom that you can barely see in black is the death confirmations. As of July 6th, it's, folks, it, 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 it's not even 200. And I, and I, the, the, it's, this is United States confirmed COVID-19 cases and death. Just look at that chart. Look at the red or orange, depending on your computer or your TV, how high that is. And look at the death rate underneath it. And yet that number of cases that's reported breathlessly each and every day, I guarantee you psychologically, they're doing a number on you and they're trying to make you associate numbers of cases with death. Either 
instant or down the road. This is a number of people. When they report 50,000 new cases, 10,000 new cases, that they want you to believe that those 10,000 people are going to die some point down the line. It isn't happening. This is a shocking, shocking exposition, a shocking display of the grand disparity in the number of cases, daily confirmed cases and daily confirmed death. That bottom line uh, starts January 1st, 2020 and doesn't move up until March 21st. It's right at zero from January through March 21st. Then it starts ticking up and the high point for death from COVID-19 was all the way back around April the 10th. And it has been decreasing since April the 10th. April the 10th is practically in the middle of the black line at the bottom. You see it. It's the peak there. And again, you who don't have the ditto cam, you should have it. But if you don't, this chart will be put on display at RushLimbaugh.com. The greatest illustration of the gap between numbers of cases and numbers of deaths that I have found to be able to show you. So, President Trump can win in 2020 by doing this one thing. It is an opinion piece written by a man named Peter Heck. And let me give you a couple of pull quotes from his, uh, his piece here. The president's speech at Mount Rushmore convinced me After seeing it, despite all of his shortcomings, I honestly think there is one thing that President Trump could do that would guarantee his reelection. One thing that would completely change the narrative of a frenzied and overmatched provocateur fiddling while his country burns. What's that one thing? Focus like a laser on being the only thing standing between America and the leftist revolution attempting to overthrow it. Forget insulting Joe Biden over his lack of mental fitness. People can see that for themselves. They don't like elder abuse anyway. Forget being on defense, chiding and reacting to those who criticize the COVID response. We don't need to hear about success with ventilators and PPP and all of this stuff. We've been there, done that. We know we've done a good job. Stop being defensive about criticism of the COVID-19 response. Forget bragging about the economy before the coronavirus. That was then. Yep, you can you can talk about it and how you're going to rebuild and reget and, and and get it back, but all of this stuff is distracting, and all of this stuff can come off as petty. Insulting Biden over the fact he can't talk, getting defensive about ventilators and masks and stuff. What the majority of people are about is their ability to live safe, undisturbed, and profitable lives. 
They like this country. They want the stability and security it has always afforded them. That is it in a nutshell. That is what Donald Trump must say he represents. He cannot assume that people know that. He cannot assume that people believe that. Cannot assume that people remember what Make America Great Again was all about in 2016. He has got to focus on a laser, like a laser, that his objective is to stay between the mob revolution and the people trying to save the country. That he is the only thing that can do. And and that's not untrue. Name another politician out there who's willing to stand side by side with him on this. I mean, there may be somebody. I'm not trying to insult you. Jim Jordan, Shirley Wood, Ratcliffe, uh, Louis Gomer, there's all kinds of them. But, but, but in terms of Republican elected class, it's few and far between. But that's okay because this is the presidency and that campaign that we're talking about. And he's the one running. And he has got to make it clear. And he has he has established the theme in two speeches over the weekend at Mount Rushmore and the White House speech on Saturday. Both of those speeches should form the basis of the campaign. His reason, his purpose, his agenda. Because, as I said earlier in this program, to profound agreement, this country is not Twitter. And politicians and marketing managers, PR people all over this country are making a huge mistake assuming that Twitter represents the majority of thinking, the majority of people in this country. It does not. This country is not a majority country of hate and bigotry and all of that. Half of what's on Twitter isn't real anyway. Half or more of what's on Twitter is bots. They're not even real people. Twitter is being used to corrupt and pollute the minds of the innocent. And people who don't pay much attention to the news anyway. But Twitter is not America. Let the Democrat Party continue to believe that it is. Let the Democrat Party operate on the basis that this country is Twitter and they will go down the tubes because this country is not Twitter. And what I mean by that is Twitter is used by the media as a stand-in for public opinion because the media is a bunch of jealous, lazy practitioners. And so Twitter is easy to use instead of actually going out and talking to people. And it's a stand-in for national public opinion. And it's serving a purpose for us. It is distorting the worldview of the Democrat Party. I'm convinced that one of the reasons the Democrat Party thinks they're in the majority and they think that hating America is the way to go is because they believe that Twitter is America. I don't believe a majority of people in this country hate it. I don't believe a majority of people in this country dislike it. I don't believe a majority of people in this country want it overthrown. I don't think a majority of people in this country think Black Lives Matter is the answer or Antifa. 
In fact, it's not even a matter of thinking it. I know it. But the Democrats, they may think the exact opposite. They may literally believe that Black Lives Matter is the future because most Americans agree with them and support them because the Democrats believe the drivel and the garbage that they see on Twitter. And furthermore, they campaign on it. They seek more of it. All the president has to do is make the 2020 election about preserving the American way of life, maintaining the American founding, because the real majority of our people want the ability to live safe, undisturbed, profitable, meaning opportunity to do, make a good living. That's what they want. That has been the promise of America. They like the country. They want the stability and security it has always afforded them. They want police forces. The Democrat Party really believe that a majority of Americans wants to disband the cops? Does the Democrat Party really believe that a majority of Americans wants to defund the country? Does the Democrat Party really believe that a majority of people agree with Bill de Blasio on things? Does a majority of the American people actually agree with Lori Lightweight, the mayor of Chicago, on things? I will guarantee you a majority of Americans does not agree with Bill de Blasio. There are more people buying guns today than ever before. Black Lives Matter, the Democrat Party have done a better job than even the NRA. And you know why? Because the Democrats are getting rid of the cops. And people are realizing they're going to have to defend themselves. If they're going to walk at night in their neighborhoods or get in their cars and drive somewhere, they're going to have to be able to self-defend If a majority of the American people agreed with the Democrats and Bill de Blasio, they'd be turning their guns in because they would believe that we don't need police forces and the Democrats are going to make everybody safe and the Democrats are going to make everybody feel secure and they're going to do it with their new friends, Black Lives Matter. Well, there is no way a majority of Americans is ever going to think that, no matter what Twitter says. President could run ads demonstrating the lawlessness in these Democrat controlled cities and states that's ruining lives, ruining communities, ruining cities, and continue to point out that the ruins and the ruination is happening in Democrat controlled places. Places the Democrats have controlled for years. Democrats have been promising their utopia in these places. They've been promising their constituents are going to fix all the problems and complaints they have. And yet the complaints never end and they are the same. The Democrats don't fix anything. They're not capable of it. Run video. Black Lives Matter. 
screaming the N-word in the face of black cops. Run video of well-fed, white, college graduate women screaming their lungs out at cops and not even knowing why. Run video showing the insanity. By doing that, Trump will resonate with people that he's the same guy that ran in 2016 and still intends to make America great and preserve the American way of life. Rich in Denver, great to have you, sir. Hello. Yeah, I rush Hi. to listen to you before uh, for Dan's bake sale, but I had to turn around the highway. You had the highway blocked up. We couldn't get in. Yeah, I remember that day. It was a big, big day. <laughs> Conservative yeah. Woodstock. Oh, it was phenomenal. Anyway, with them defunding the police in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, there's a bunch of Fortune 500 companies that are there. You know, you got General Mills, Target, um, Polaris. Why would they stick around some of these big corporations with defunding the police? Well, you know, that is an awesome question. What happened to the CEO? When did the CEO class in this country become a radical bunch of leftists? But many of them have become that. Uh, let me look. The left has been very, you know, we, we conservatives, we don't target. We don't raise people to be conservative CEOs. But the left does. That's what their control of the education system. That's what their control of teachers has enabled. So you might think that the. CEO of General Mills, I'm just picking a country, the company that you name might be concerned, but now they just hire their own personal police force, security team, whatever. Anything to help the party. Anything to help. And, 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 and the governor may take steps to help defray the costs. That's how it all works. And we stick with the phones. This is Sherry in Atlanta. Welcome. Great to have you here. Hi. Thank you, Rush. Prayers for you. Um, Sicoria Turner was the little eight-year-old that was killed in Atlanta this last weekend, but I guarantee you, you're not going to hear her name on national news like you did Rayshard Brooks or George Floyd, because you know what? It doesn't fit their agenda. We all know that. We all know that. Keisha Lance Bottoms was on, and and she said with her tough words, enough is enough. Oh, yeah, like that's going to do something. So Governor Kemp has brought in a 1,000 National Guard to help with the police and i guarantee you most of atlanta and surely our nation didn't know we still had an autonomous zone down by the windies and this probably the sweet mother didn't know that either and here she, her little her little sweet child can't even ride in her car safely little kids can't be in their home safely the little cute boy in dc with his little football uniform that could have been my son's best friend who played d1 football with all of these boys and i, and I can go on the nfl thing too, too it's just all a distraction because most of those boys don't want to kneel for our flag They're, they just want to go out and they want to play ball but this is they're distracting from what you were saying. What Trump does need to stick with is the safety of this country. If we're not safe, if we can't go out of our houses, we can't ride in a car without getting shot, where are we? Where are we and where are we going? Well, what, what was your point here about the governor calling in the National Guard? He called in a 1,000 troops. To help 
with maintain order here because you're not going to hear about it, Lynn, and I know I've kind of gone off on some Well, no, I did hear about it. I'm, in fact, I'm looking for the story now. I thought I had, I had printed it out, and uh, I don't well, know. She, I, well, she was on Good Morning America this morning decrying that, you know, he did not consult her, and of course now she has COVID, which is another distraction. Come on, Keisha, let's stick with the point here. She, she was talking about how her four kids during her news conference during the um, riot that she knew where, where they were. Well, you know what? This little sweet little girl, her mother knows where she is right now, too, and it's not in her bed at night. You know, she's not going to be going to school in the fall with Keisha Lance Bottoms' kids or anybody else's. This little child is dead. She could have stopped this, and she knows it, and she has to live with it. You think the mayor could have stopped it? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. What could the mayor have done to stop it? She could have gone in there, but you know what? Our policemen and I have, we have a very good family friend. They know that they are not supported by her because you know what? She has been given her marching orders. America knows that. Democrats are given their marching orders. They can go in and stop this, but you know what? President Trump is doing his best to let states run their states. Kemp is letting her run her city and she is running it into the ground, but you're not going to hear about it. Because we're, we're the, we're, we should be the land of MLK, the land of, of goodness and what that man stood for. And this is exactly opposite of what he stood for. Everybody knows that BLM is – all that funding is going through Act Blue. Well, I think actually you're, you're doing a good job of making people hear about it. Well, they need to wake up. Wake up, America, or we will not have an America. We, it, Trump is the last stand. And if people don't comprehend that, they – there's no place else to go because where we go, the world goes. Well, that's true. Well, but the, the the thing in Atlanta is is the the um, two black people, folks. Two black people have been killed near that Wendy's that they then torched. You know that 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 Wendy's was burned down despite being owned and run by African Americans. And it, it's it's just it's. Uh, it's mind-boggling. These kids are being shot all over this country. And sadly, it's it's black-on-black it's black crime. You're not supposed to say that. African-American on African-American crime. But, you know, when, 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 the, when the perp is not a cop or different race, then it's ignored. And I think, I think the governor finally had no choice. He gave the mayor enough time to try to straighten things out there and then said, look, I need to restore law and order here. And you you can't do it with just a few National Guard. He had to send in a thousand troops as a show of force. Anyway, Sherry, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, um, there's a Washington Post story just dropped about a half hour ago. And this is this is how they're moving the goalposts. And it was it's actually a it's a it's a tweet that then was expanded to a news story. And the tweet is this. Even if we start to fix climate change, the proof may not show up for 30 years. We have to manage our expectations, researchers warn. Even if we start to fix climate change, the proof may not show up for 30 years. New findings Put a brief emissions drop 
during the coronavirus pandemic in, in a perspective. So what's happening? The coronavirus and the lockdowns and the resulting trepidation people have about getting out and living is causing there to be a reduction in what they claim are the agents of destruction of the climate. So that's good news. We can't have good news. There, there, there cannot be good news in the era of get rid of Trump. So we've got, from their perspective, from from their models, we've got good news on the climate change. By the way, I think it's all BS. Don't misunderstand. I don't think there is man-made climate change. I think it's, I think it's one of the biggest hoaxes. You know that. You know the drill. But just accepting their premise, they can't even accept the good news that there is progress being made in their cockamamie theory. So now they have to come out with a story. Oh, by, by the way, by the way, um, um, even if we do start to fix it, you may not see it for 30 years. So we just we can't have good news, folks. It's not permissible. Now, these people and their models have been as wrong for much longer than the COVID-19 models. They have been wrong for decades. And now, all of a sudden, they're saying they won't be able to prove their ideas work for three more decades. So you see how this is done? The first thing you do is you say, oh, my God, we're destroying the planet. Man's destroying America. Progress. Capitalism destroying the planet. You mean right now? Well... 20 years. You got to predict it 20, 30 years out so that most people will not be alive to know whether you were right or wrong. So you get the instant gratification of predicting doom. But down the road. And then in those 30 years, you give people a chance at redemption. You give people a chance to correct their ways and make them have lives of meaning where they can all of a sudden start doing things to save the planet, like joining Black Lives Matter, like getting rid of white supremacy, like getting rid of white privilege, like getting rid of white everything, like getting rid of the founding fathers. All of that can help climate change. Yes, don't you see? You can start driving your little podunk cars. You can do all this stuff. Gives you something to do for the next 20 or 30 years. Then... When according to their own models, their their own claims, now when there's good news to re- uh, 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 can't report good news. There, no, no, no. We th- th- you're kidding? It's the era of getting rid of Trump. There is no good news. So when emissions are down, when the things they claim erroneously are destroying the climate are down, they can't report that. They can't, can't be expected to say that they're progress. So they have to move the goalposts. Say, even if, even if we start to fix it, you won't see it for 30 years. Really? You talk about leaving people high and dry. You talk about raising expectations. You talk about getting people involved in your cause, and then letting them down like a lead balloon claiming nothing they've done is ultimately going to matter. What a bunch of mean SOBs these people are. Toying. You know, the, the, the problem, folks, is they literally create mind-numbed robots who believe this gunk 
that they are destroying the planet, that their parents destroyed the planet, that they're destroying the polar bear. They create these lies and they affect people mentally. They literally make young people think that they and their parents are destroying the planet. And so they give them ways that they can save the planet, make their lives meaningful, and then have to tell them that it all doesn't matter in the end because all these good works you're doing, why we won't see the evidence for 30. Why you'll be dead. You will be dead before anybody sees the results of your commitment to the cause. That is the epitome. I mean, just flat out meanness. Okay, a brief obscene prophet time. I'll be right back after this, folks. Don't go away. Right on, right on, right on. Rush Limbaugh, most listened to radio talk show in America. So happy to be with you, folks. Every day, wake up. Thank God that I did. Still do. I have a question. You heard about Patrick Mahomes' new contract with Kansas City Chiefs. So essentially, Patrick Mahomes is going to be paid really well. He signed the first half-billion-dollar deal in sports history. He signed a 10-year, $450 million contract extension and a 12-year, $477 million contract with up to $25 million more available in unspecified incentives. Now, would somebody explain to me how this happens? Mahomes is mixed race. He is his African-American father and a white mother, which makes him black in America today. Somebody explain to me how this can happen in a white supremacist country. I have asked this about the Oprah before, and I've asked it about others. What, do you have an answer for this? What's that? Oh, I get it. So it's worth it because he's entertaining the masters. He's entertaining. Oh, folks, have you heard the left is demanding that that golf tournament, the masters, change its name? Because the Masters is about slave masters. It's in it's in Augusta, Georgia. They had plantations there. Who know Ralph Northam might have actually been in blackface in Augusta sometime. And so they're gonna demand that the Masters change its name to something besides that. I wonder what they'll demand the names be changed to. I found the story I was looking at or looking for on in Atlanta uh, when the when the uh, that fired up lady from Atlanta called. And here it is. This is the thrust of it. I got to be quick here. Uh, Another black person has been killed in the protester occupied zone around that burned out Wendy's in Atlanta. That's where Rayshard Brooks was killed. Now, the mainstream media never mentioned it, but that Wendy's franchise is owned by blacks. All of the employees of that Wendy's that was torched, most of its customers were black. And it was torched by African Americans. Now, the latest victim, 53-year-old male, 
shot along with two others on Sunday night. An eight-year-old black girl was killed Saturday night when her family refused to obey the armed protesters who told them to turn their car around because they had closed off the area as an autonomous zone. So now twice as many black people have been killed by the protesters there than were killed by the cops. Armed protesters have been occupying those blocks since Rayshard Brooks' death on June 12th, despite the mayor's vow to remove them. That was what I was looking for to share with you when she was on phone. You know, I've been harping on The Offended for 30 years, the group, and finally somebody's done a story. Study reveals that easily offended people are less productive and they are bad employees. And I'm saving this for tomorrow's program. So be here. Have a great rest of the day today, folks. Thanks for being with us always. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to the Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. He sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, and he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave Major Turnbull a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's severely injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.